Welcome to Cool Mom 101 with Emily Kylo. Every week, she's bringing inspiring guests to help you embrace motherhood the cool mom way. Emily knows firsthand being a mom is hard AF, but she's passionate that doesn't need to be the end of the story. Shift your perspective on what it means to be a mom while learning practical tips and mom hacks you can use right away. Stay you while nailing the mom game. That's what being a cool mom is all about. Class is now in session. Here's your host, Emily Kylo. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Cool Mom 101. I'm your host, Emily Kylo, and I'm on a mission to support women in creating their very own chic and connected businesses through confidence. I hope you're all having a fab week. I had a super relaxing weekend, and I've been really enjoying finding that balance where I can. And I think for me, it's been huge to focus on my feminine energy and really learning how to tap into that. I am someone who tends to stick to their masculine energy a lot. And that is my kind of was my natural pattern. And I've really worked hard to kind of balance that out. So if you want to hear more about that, I think I'm going to do a training on it or maybe even a solo podcast because it's really, really been changing how I'm feeling. So exciting announcement too while I'm at it. The Cool Biz hotline is open. So what this means is I'm offering free mini coaching calls for women who are ready to start their own business or are really wanting a huge, huge up level in their current business and are ready to scale and get to that next level. So these calls are 30 minutes long and they will give me the opportunity to help you get some clarity on your ideas and what is possible for you. Spoiler alert, everything and anything is possible for you. And I would love to be the one to support you in your journey to creating that dream business that you've always wanted. So let's get to my episode for today. I have Taylor from Namaste with Tay. And Taylor is an entrepreneur who founded the Namaste Sweaty Club, which is an online home-based fitness program. So she's really an expert and she has such great knowledge around kind of holistic health and nutrition. I love following her on Instagram. She gives so many great tips and she is an amazing mama as well. So today in our episode, we talk about being an entrepreneur and a mom and how she's building her business. We talk about her journey into wellness and why asking questions and being your own health advocate is so, so important. We also talked about how women can work to reframe their mindset around their bodies, which is so, so, so key because you can keep hitting the gym hard, but if you haven't done that mindset and that subconscious work around how you feel really deeply about your body, it's really not going to change how you, how you feel. So we also talked about why goals around wanting to be, you know, more fit or having certain um, aesthetic goals are just as valid as any other goals. And we talk about how she's adapted and grown her business through this pandemic. 
So this episode is so juicy, and I mean, it's December, so if there's ever a time that we can refocus on our health, it's now. There's a lot of stress during this time, so I think this is the perfect time for this episode. It will help you be healthier, so let's get to it. Here's episode 48 with Taylor from Namaste with Tay. Welcome to the show, Taylor. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. My pleasure. Okay, so we're going to jump right on into the mom fashions, which is how we start off every episode. Are you ready? I was born ready. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) What is the best part of being a mom? Best part, I, I definitely think is the love. The love that you just don't ever experience until you become a mom. It's just so unique and different and powerful. But I also think one of the greatest gifts of becoming a mom is the constant self-reflection that you do as a person. I've always kind of said that I think parents are better people, generally speaking, just because you, you constantly have this little mirror in front of you to look at yourself and look at your own patterns and the way you speak and the way you handle um, conflict and how you project that, you know, outwards. So I think it's such a gift um, to constantly be working on yourself. And it comes with that. It's hard, obviously, but it, it you know, it's a gift too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you let it, I think that's the key too, is you can stay stuck in feeling like it's hard, or you can, like you said, use it as an opportunity to reflect. And it's not always like fun. You're not always like, oh, this is so great. I'm glad I'm seeing this not so lovely side of myself. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Like I said, it it sort of illuminates this side of you that you might not normally see in communication with friends or family, but you see it when you're speaking to your little person. And no, like you said, it's, it's embracing that and being willing to change and being willing to go, you know what? I don't like that about myself and I want to be better for her because she deserves better. And knowing that what we model our children will be right. So, um, I think it's a super important realization to have as a parent and it it like can be a tool and like it can be a gift. So yeah, absolutely. I love that. So you kind of mentioned that that can also be a hard part of motherhood is having that constant mirror and Mm. needing that, you know, self-reflection, but for you, what's the hardest lesson you've learned so far as a mom? (sighs) You know, I always said to my friends, I was the first one in my group of friends to to have a baby. And I said, they, when they asked me what it was like, I said, it was simultaneously the best and worst thing I could do to myself. Sorry, I have a kitten that's running around here. Um, It's yeah. Simultaneously the best and worst thing that you can do to yourself because Um, you give up so much of your freedom and of what you want to do. Um, You learn sacrifice because all of a sudden you love something more than you love yourself. And while I'm huge on self-love, part of becoming a parent, I think that's part of the job. That's part of the gig, you know, is that you, and I think it's also part that you can't help also. (laughs) It's primal that like we all of a sudden are, walking around with our heart exposed on the outside of our body and, and that, that worry and, uh, can, you know, it can be intense. So I think it's a lot of learning and a lot of it's so very positive, but the hard parts are definitely, you're learning things like sacrifice. You're learning things about yourself that might be not ideal. Oh my goodness gracious. Um, 
So yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think for me too, kind of coincides with what we were, we were saying in the beginning is that I have really had to learn to let go of control and mm, yes. call myself a recovering perfectionist. Mm. Um, and that is something you cannot carry with you into parenthood. I think you could, you could try and keep having control and you see it with some parents, right? They mm -hmm. you want your kids to be a certain way all the time and you're wanting them to be perfect and everything to be perfect. And that's just a fallacy and doesn't exist. So that's, that's been the real hard one. But like you're saying, that's made me a thousand percent better. Like I totally. need to let go of that because that's not going to help totally. me in my life either. Totally. And I think one of the other things that comes up a lot because I am more type A, which I think you are as well. Um, and I'm a fire sign and my daughter is a little fire sign. And what I've learned, and it's, I'm not good at, I'm not perfect at, at it, I should say, but what I've learned in moments of frustration or whatever disagreements with her is that my fire, I can't fight her fire with my fire because our fire just creates a wildfire and nobody is happy after that. So I really have to be her calm and that is not normal for me. That's not innate for me. So it's really stretched me as far as my patience and my chill level, but they also mirror our energy. So if we keep it cool, it often diffuses the situation much faster, I find. And I'm working on that still. I think it will be a constant work in progress, you know, but uh, I do find that that realization is huge. Absolutely. And I'm sure you've seen that trickle into many other areas of your life as well. That's the cool thing, right? It's not totally. just parenting. I find for me, I'm, I'm seeing these things really show up in my relationship with my partner. So my like romantic mm -hmm. relationship, which is huge because it's like, those are patterns I've walked around with <laughs> for all 30 three of my years, you know, so. totally. It's really cool. Absolutely. To <laughs> because, because it's funny, like we were saying that like, if, you know, being a mom become, you become, you know, you come walk around with this constant mirror and constant self-reflection. But when we embrace that and then we get better, we get better in all avenues of our life, our career, our partnerships, our friendships, our, how we deal with family that can be challenging sometimes. So that's one of the greatest things. Absolutely. I love that. So let me know, what is your daily ritual? Because I am very passionate about having that groundedness in my life. And so I love hearing what other people do for their kind of daily ritual. For sure. Um, my daily ritual, I mean, other than sort of like the typical mom routine, you know, getting up and getting her ready, getting myself ready. Um, I always have, I always make time for some, a little bit, if I can, even if it's a few moments of quietness with a tea, a hot tea, sit, um, even for a few moments, even if it's with her with cartoons on and she's, you know, I'm telling her to eat her breakfast or whatever that I think is huge for me to have that stop quiet moment because my days are, as I'm sure you can appreciate are just like, go, go, go doing all the things here and there. So taking that one moment to just be present, I love to do. Um, and I sweat, I do a 30 minute sweat every morning. Um, and that really sort of sets me up for my day. So it sets me up for success for my day. I feel like. Absolutely. I love that. So important. <laughs> so Taylor, what are you most grateful for in your life right now? Gratitude plays obviously a huge role in my life and I'm sure that it does for many people. And if it doesn't, it should, because it really just makes your life so much better. Um, and I have to just say, 
I have reflected a lot this past year about, I, I hate to say that I've gotten to the, the place because I don't believe in destinations, but, but I'm, I, I feel like I've come to this place of genuine content and happiness. I've really um, cultivated a really positive relationship with my child, strong relationship there, a really strong relationship with my partner. Um, I'm very passionate about my job and I'm really invested in my business. So I feel like I've aligned my life in all of the, I feel like I'm in alignment. Let me just say that. So I'm, I'm super grateful for that. And I, and I think it's a place that I strive to get to for many years and it's all work, right. And it's all, it's all part of it. That journey is all part of it. Um, but I just feel like I've sort of come to this place where I'm like, I'm not needing to strive necessarily in one direction or another right now. I'm sort of just being like, okay, I'm in flow and I'm there and I'm really appreciating that because it's not always been that way. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about gratitude too, I think, is you need sometimes those not so perfect, like we're saying, not so beautiful <laughs> moments mm-hmm. to remind you sometimes mm-hmm. of those things you're grateful for and you need those moments where you're not aligned and not in flow to really illuminate when now you find yourself in which is my favorite place to be but when you're in flow Mm -hmm. and everything just feels like it's kind of working together yes it's like would you have recognized that if you had been had never like felt out of alignment No, I don't think, I don't think you can, like you said, you know, it's sort of like in yoga, we talk about the yin and the yang, the, the darkness and the light. You need to have both in order to recognize, um, both are necessity, like you both are just necessary. And, um, yeah. And I mean, my life hasn't always been this, this way. And I've, you know, had, I think we've all gone through hard times and there's been things that have come up and a lot of personal growth and per, and that, and personal growth usually comes from something really not great right it comes from a dark place and and out of that um yeah so i I totally agree with you i think that you have to have both in order to appreciate when you've gotten to the good the good place (laughs) Mm -hmm. in that flow honey yes the best it is and it's such a it's so um and you know what's funny we were talking about like giving up the perfectionism thing it's sort of like you do release control a little bit and i I've really noticed that this year. I'm like, whoa, things are just, I'm letting, you know, I don't let anything happen because I'm sort of like that make it happen kind of person. But when you're on the right path, when you're in alignment, things do just sort of flow your way, it seems. And I've really noticed it this year and I've been super, super grateful for it. And I'm like, okay, how do we just kind of keep on going? And I think a part of that is totally letting go, letting go of the things that want to go and and embracing the things that want to come. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Not having such a tight grip. And it's weird because it is this balance. You, you want to have those big visions and be taking that aligned action towards them. But simultaneously, you don't want to grip it so tight that because then that's really focusing on the lack of it, right? Like if you're gripping it so hard, you're like, where is it? Why isn't it here? <laughs> well, then what the universe is going to keep doling you out is that thing you're lacking. So totally agree. Totally agree. Well, anyways, that's an amazing place to be. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Yeah. And it's really cool. It's, it's nice to be able to discuss it with someone who also gets it. Um, cause yeah, it is, it, it is quite a great place to be. And like you were talking about manifesting, you know, a lot of it is totally that it's not the focusing on what you don't have yet. It's focusing on the things you have and then creating more abundance around that. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And isn't it nice talking to other people who work on personal development? <laughs> so good. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you can know, nerd out on it, right? <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's really refreshing to talk to other moms about it because I feel like that's another thing, you know, often when we become moms and then we hear from our other, mo- we hear from our moms sometimes about what we should be doing as a mom and giving our whole mind, body, soul to our children. I just never agreed with that. And I felt guilty for a lot of years in her early life because I was like, no, I need, I did my, my, my fitness and yoga certification when she was like 14 months old. Like I went and did it while I was working and it was like, nope, she can be at home with dad while I go pursue this. I need to still be me and still pursue my dreams because then what am I teaching her if I don't do those things? And so it's so, so it, so it just brings me back to when moms can still hold on to themselves, their individuality and, and see that that actually serves them as, as being a better mom versus, you know, lying down on the cross for our kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're just speaking my language and like, this is something I'm so passionate about sharing with other women and moms in particular, exactly what you said it's like, here's the thing. If you, if you genuinely feel the most fulfilled when you are working within the home, because we all know that is a lot of work when you're working within the home and you're maybe putting certain things a little bit on hold while your kids are young. Cause I have talked to some moms who are like, no, like I don't want to take on more things. I right now my focus is on them. For me, and this is why I just like to talk about it in case anyone else feels this way and kind of like what Taylor's saying, is for me, I knew I would not show up as the parent I wanted to be if I didn't still pursue my dreams. So for me, I was like, A, it won't be good for me. B, it won't be good for my kid. C, I mean, then trickles down. It's not good for anyone else around us. So for me, yeah, it was a clear path for me, but I just, I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. And I love bringing this up because if anyone is feeling like, well, I feel like feeling that guilt and feeling like, well, I shouldn't invest in myself or I shouldn't Mm -hmm. pursue this. Mm -hmm. You absolutely should because Mm -hmm. like you mentioned too, that is teaching your children a very, very valuable lesson. I believe in pursuing those dreams, even when it's not nice and easy, because I'm sorry, that's not every part of your life isn't always going to be just this breeze, certain things Mm -hmm. you're going to have to work a little bit for. So I, I love that you said that. Totally. And I think it always, uh, what I always say to women who really struggle with that guilt, that guilty feeling and in investing in themselves or, or showing up for themselves is like the quality in which we love ourselves reflects in the quality in which we can love other people. So when you serve yourself, then you are serving and you, you invest in yourself, then you are a better you, which means you are a better you to give to your children, your partner, your family, your job, your every other aspect. So why people, why this old school mentality, you know, ahem, our mother's generation and so on. Um, it's really sad to me because it's like, it all is connected. Absolutely. Okay. Last one in this opening round here. What, and this one's a little deep. What is your why for your life? So what gets you up in the morning, keeps you working on your business? What, what's that why that got you taking your teacher training when your baby was 14 months old? Mm. What's, What's your why? 
Oh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a multi-layered question or answer. I would say I first would say it's just cause I love life. I love that. We like, I feel so grateful that I get to, we get to do, we have every opportunity, anything we want to do, we can do anything. So if we can do anything, what do you want to do with it? And for me, I want to embrace all that life has to offer and do all the things I want to do it all. So there's no dress rehearsal here. We get one shot and I want to make it the absolute best, most fulfilling life I can. And that has come with lots of mistakes. And that has come with a lot of dark moments too, right? Like often the love and zest for life for me anyway, has come from a place where um, you know, years ago in high, in when I was a teenager struggling with depression and really not loving life, <laughs> um, and not knowing when, when life would feel light again. And, um, it really fueled, it's sort of the opposite now in a way, like I just want to take every day and make something of every day. That's beautiful. And I love that you mentioned just the overall passion for life. Because it's, it's, it's so beautiful to see. And I think it really shines through your personality. And I think it's, it's contagious. And like, in that good way, it's infectious, where people, people want to be around those who are excited to experience life, right? Yeah. And I mean, it's so easy for life to control us. And often we forget that, hey, we're in the driver's seat. We have the steering wheel ahead of us and we can go anywhere we want to. And if you don't feel that in your life, then something needs to change. And I definitely know that because I experienced that as well. Um, you know, I, I, you know, yeah, like I said, you know, decisions, life, you know, you make mistakes, but you learn from them. And, and sometimes you don't know if something's a mistake until you make the choice. And then you realize like, oh, this was a good choice or this was, whoops, maybe not a good choice. But um, yeah, every decision leads you to your next one. And I, I, for me, I, I feel that way now. And, and I'm really grateful for that because I didn't always feel that way in my adult life. Mm-hmm. Back to the yin and yang there. We need them, we totally. need them both. <laughs> we do. Yes. It's essential. <laughs> so Taylor, I would love to hear what your business is and how it all got started for you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as I mentioned, when my daughter was young, um, I... Okay. Well, it's sort of, I'm going to back it up a bit. So my, my full-time job, I work in natural foods, um, organic natural foods is a huge passion of mine. It's how I eat in my house. Um, Etc. And I have a career in natural foods. I work in sales and I absolutely love it. Um, and I knew that I wasn't going to give that up. However, when I had my daughter, I watched my body change in such a significant way and it never had before. Um, so I was like, wow, okay, it's changed in a, in a significant way. And I, for some reason, I just got it in my head that I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I want to make change. If I, if it can just change through pregnancy, I want to purposefully make change. So I started working out and I had never really committed to working out before. You know, I would do some cardio here and there. I would, you know, pick up a light weight maybe, but like, I didn't really know what I was doing. I had no goal as far as like, I didn't know what I wanted. I knew that I didn't like super love my body. Um, but I just didn't really know what I was doing. So I sort of committed to uh, a home workout program that I was able to do at, at home with her while I was off. And I started to see change. And I kept telling myself that like, if I just commit to this and I keep going, like change is going to come. And so 
um, it did. And I felt amazing. And it got to the point where I wanted to pursue it um, just for my own knowledge, really. And so I did my yoga and fitness certification uh, when she was about 14 months old and really got to learn a lot more about anatomy and asana practice and strength training. And to me, all of those things were just very invaluable to learn personally. Um, and so I started to teach part-time through Oxygen Yoga and, uh, Yoga and Fitness. I started to teach part-time through, through their studios and I loved it. I absolutely loved that it was sort of like my mommy escape time not escape time, but you know what I mean? You know, like I did my job, I did my, my mom, my mom life. And this was something I got to do for me. And it became super passionate about sharing the journey that I had learned postpartum with other women. And so to answer your question, how my business started was in 2020 and this year, um, our fitness studios were closed down in March. Uh, because of COVID. And I was really sad about not getting to teach. You know, it was never really about the money for me. Um, but I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna start teaching online. So I started to teach on my Instagram every day. And I went back to the program style that I used when I was getting fit postpartum, I made up my own program, and just started doing that. And it sort of snowballed and the reaction and the response was really positive. And so I was doing that, I guess, end of March, April, May. And on June 1st, I launched a website and I launched my own business. And, you know, we're almost six months in. The response has been incredible. And, and I just feel so grateful, like, every day to have some of the feedback that I get, you know, about shifting mindsets and about women showing up for themselves and making positive changes. Wow, that's amazing. I just love hearing that story. And I think for me, 2020 has been my best year yet. And a lot of people find that to be a very unpopular opinion. And I don't want to minimize the fact that it has been very challenging for people. There's people dying, there's people losing jobs. I want to acknowledge that. And I want to point out that for Taylor, who is sitting here, chatting with us and for myself we've both had like these amazing years of starting businesses and of growth and I think that really speaks to all the mindset work that I'm sure you do and <laughs> that kind of getting into the flow we are talking about so it's really cool mm -hmm. and it's if, I mean this is a thing if this is possible in the middle of the slight shitstorm that's been 2020 in a lot of ways like oh yeah that is exciting to me I don't know about how you feel <laughs> absolutely like to me to, I mean it you know it's funny it wasn't intentional I didn't intend to start a business I intended to help people keep moving because being told to stay home being told they couldn't go to their favorite classes to me, that affects our mental health in such a huge way. So it really started like out of just a desire to give and to give back um, because I knew how fitness had totally changed my life and my mindset and how I had incorporated it into my life and seen how all the intricate ways that it affected my life positively. And I wanted to make sure that I could share that with other people so that they could see see it. Um, but like you said, you know, so many people did face a lot of hardship and a lot of instructors did as well. Um, and to me, I guess in some way I saw opportunity 
and I'm sure that you did too in some way. And like I said, it, it wasn't intentional, but it did sort of just flow. It just flowed and I just kept rolling with it and, and ideas. And I sort of started to lean on my business degree that I've honestly, you know, I use in my, in my career, but I, I have used my business degree more in the last six months, you know, than I probably ever have, to be honest. And that's really just helped me because I, I'm grateful for that background, I guess. But yeah, it's really just sort of flowed and one one decision leading into another and, and it also just feeling very intuitive to me. And I think that that is huge and that is key. Mm-hmm. I love, I love everything you said there. I think that's something I always teach women too, is that if you lead from that place of purpose, then oftentimes the path will start to unfold for you if you are and the key is what you said there is like you're listening to that intuition totally and like you said passion or the or the purpose sorry and i was gonna yeah. add to that and say your purpose and your passion it's mm-hmm. got to be those two and then what comes from that right mm-hmm, absolutely so you did such a great job of just you knew that was your like your purpose and your passion you got kind of both in one And then it was just kind of following where that path was leading you, which is really cool to hear. Thank you. Yeah. It's been a really surreal experience and I'm just, I don't, I feel like I mean, I can say it a million times on your show, like on your show, but like I am eternally grateful for how the series unfolded, even despite the challenges and this, it's been challenging, I'm sure for you as well in certain ways as it has been for me, how our lives have changed and, and everything. Um, but yeah, you, you have to always seek that light and always seek um, the positive because if we get stuck in, you know, how crappy 2020 could have been or is, then, you know, what do we do with that? It's not productive. Mm-mm, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so Taylor, I would love to hear how you originally got into kind of the wellness industries. Uh, so yeah, tell us that kind of story and how that unfolded. Yes. So, okay. So again, sort of just going back to battling a little bit of depression, um, in my teens and, and not having this sort of zest for life and going through, you know, some therapy and finishing high school and getting a little bit more freedom. Um, my mindset really started to, to change and it sort of started to change and swing to the opposite end of the pendulum of really loving life and embracing it. And so if I really loved life and wanted to embrace it, how could I get more of it? And that came to really start taking care of my health and, and not accepting not accepting what I was told or, or things for face value always. Cause often there's so much misinformation around health and everybody is so unique that I really started to dig in and ask more questions and seek alternative medicine when something didn't make sense to me. And it sort of became this little path in every avenue of my life. And it came down to what I ate and how I chose to nourish my body. And it came into what products I was putting on my skin and body care use and all this kind of stuff. Um, I used to work one of my, one of my first, you know, job, big girl jobs out of university was I worked for one of the largest cosmetics companies in the world, conventional cosmetics. Um, and, and I worked for one of their luxury brands and 
I did very well with them, but I never even used the product because I, I, you know, I flip, I flip over everything and read every ingredient and I'm like, Oh, I don't want to put that on my, I don't want to put that on my body. And I was so shocked to see how nobody was questioning this. Nobody was asking questions about why we're putting toxic chemicals into the things that we're putting on our face or on our body. And to me, I'm like, okay, well, if we wouldn't put it in our mouths, we shouldn't really be putting it into our body. You know, that's like sort of general. But um, it sort of fueled my passion for natural everything, natural beauty, natural everything. And um, I was really lucky enough to align myself with a company in natural foods. Um, it was an industry that I wanted to break into for a long time. And uh, I finally was able to. And it's been you know four and a half years. And I'm absolutely in love with the industry because natural foods is not only growing massively, but... Um, it's funny, you know, you start to see these bigger companies like Ketchup, like Heinz, sorry, Heinz and Kraft starting to buy up these little, these little organic brands and that's how they're going to get growth. Um, so it's just interesting to me. It's not that different from cosmetics in that way. Um, but yeah. And so I just wanted to really align my life and my career and feel like if I'm going to spend this much time investing in work, then I'm doing something that I truly believe in. Mm-hmm. Very important. You do spend a lot of your day and time on this earth working. So I always say it should be something you at least enjoy 90% of the time. <laughs> totally. And you know what? That being said, like, yes, I agree, obviously, because that was huge for me. And I said it for many years that I was like, I just want to get to that place. And I didn't always love my jobs. You know, my first job at a university, I absolutely couldn't stand, but I did it. I got my ass up. I went to work. I did the absolute best that I could at it because I needed the experience. And um, it made a difference in my overall career path because I was valued there. And so I had great references. I had great experience and it was, I was able to move on and then I was able to move on. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You're never going to get, I think that's another misconception too, when it comes to like the career space for young people, you know, you go get a degree. Great. But, um, you're never, ne not necessarily, you're going to get your dream job right out of university. You kind of got to go pay your dues a little bit and do some things that you might not want, but see the opportunity in that and see the experience for what it is and just do your best at it. Don't hate it. Cause it's not your dream job. Make something of it, make something of that experience. Yeah. Like choose to enjoy the parts that you can like be grateful for. That's the thing too. It's so funny. I was thinking about that. You mentioned this because I was thinking about this a few days ago. I really find it hilarious and interesting how certain jobs that I had, and these were jobs, like not career work. These were jobs, jobs that I had though. There's certain experiences I got that to this day, you call on some of that like those useful experiences you've had. So never discredit too. That's a thing. Like just little jobs that I had too. Where I was like, Oh, I actually learned. I've kind of done something similar. I did that like 10 years ago when I was, you know, doing this. It's kind of funny. <laughs> totally agree. Totally agree. I worked at a really young age. I started working when I was 14. I worked at Orange Julius <laughs> and um, <laughs> I had lots of little mall jobs before I went back to school too. And I totally agree with you. I think experience is just it's invaluable because you don't know what every day is going to be and what you're going to learn. And you know, it's, I think, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> totally. And like, even with some of those first jobs that I had, you learn things like, I don't know how to, how to deal with 
a boss you might not love and what you're going to do with that. And now I would advise people like, obviously don't, don't stay in that forever, but like, how do you communicate properly? And how do you get yourself out of that situation? Those things. Like I learned a lot of those, started learning those skills in these jobs that, like I said, when I was younger, I would probably would have looked back and kind of been like, Oh gosh, like what a waste of my time that was, or what a stupid job. And now I'm more looking at it through the lens of gratitude of, I actually did learn certain things that can be quite useful. <laughs> so you, if you choose know. to see it that way. Right. And if you choose to see it that way, cause if you choose not to, well, then you're not going to. Right. And I love, I love that you said that. Cause it, it reminds me, I think it's Oprah that said, do what you have to do until you do until you can do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And that for me is like very apparent in my job history. Like do what you have to do to get, you know, yourself living on your own, self-sustainable until you can start to make choices and still you can, until you can create some internal value a little bit, some, some experiential value where you can go to companies that you're like, okay, this is now I'm going to, now I'm going to go out there and really sort of hunt for what I want. Um, but you need to pay, you need to do the work first. I, at least I, that, that's my experience. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's like a pretty safe statement to make in that, for example, and I do like, I have told people this too, where it's like, say your dream job is, I don't know, working at, I'll just use Lululemon, even though I worked there. Um, so say that's your dream job. And for many, I'm sure that it is. Yeah. So say like, that's your dream job. You, Cause you want to work on like the brand team at Lululemon. That's the job that I work. So there, you might, you might get that job right out of university there are people who do not discrediting that just to point out that that's not the only path to get there. So maybe you go work for like a smaller apparel company first, right? And then those are the skills you're building. You're learning how to deal with the apparel industry. You're learning Mm -hmm. how to deal with customer service or whatever it is within that realm. That -hmm. experience will all be useful when you do finally go to, you know, go after your dream job. So mm-hmm. you can all ladder totally. up if you wanted to. Totally. So something I know you're passionate about is working with women around their mindset and it's particularly around their mindset with their bodies. So can you talk a little bit about why that's so important for you? It's very important to me. One, because I had to go through my own journey with that and what I learned after, like, if I'm completely honest, which I always am, (laughs) I believe in transparency. When I, after I had my daughter, my, you know, I did want to be strong. I remember that my first goal was like, I want to do a man push up, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. Part of it was absolutely. I wanted, I wanted my body to look different. I wanted my body to look like my dream body. Um, I had never had that. I didn't know what it looked like, but I knew I wanted it. (laughs) Um, and the most valuable lesson I learned on my fitness journey, which January will be like five years of my sort of like fitness anniversary, um, was that there is no dream body. There is no end goal. That's what I've learned. And so I want to share that aha moment with every other woman because of what we're faced with, you know, from media, from society, societal expectations, I just want to share that there, there is no end goal. There is no end game. There's no after photo fitness and, and incorporating that into your life is a lifelong 
journey. I'm still on my journey when it comes to that, even though it's changed and evolved in, in these really incredible ways over the last five years. I mean, if you would ask me five years ago, if I was going to be like some fitness person, <laughs> I would never, I would have said not a chance. Like I, I never committed to anything physically in my life. Um, so so many things can come out of incorporating fitness into your life that has absolutely nothing to do with how your body looks and all to do with your mental state, your mental clarity, your mental happiness, um, being a better version of yourself, all of that. And to me, those benefits are just far surpass um, the physical side of it. Of course, physical change does come. It absolutely does. And I share that. Like if you're committing to a strength training program, you're committing to my program or anybody, you know, going to the gym, your, your body is going to change when you commit and you continue to show up for yourself in a regular and consistent way. But it's not all about that. It's not just that. And um, for so many women that I work with, um, that shift is there aha moment? And when that happens and they share that with me, I'm like, oh, okay, I am doing something right. You know what I mean? Um, and that really is the payoff for me. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And it's, it's, I just think it's so important, everything you said there, because to me, well, I just feel very aligned with everything you said, because there is such pressure on women. And when we're talking specifically about moms, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of pressure with my, one of my least favorite terms, like bounce back, um, as if you've like lost your body. It's not lost. <laughs> like <laughs> nope. it just did some pretty amazing stuff, but it's yeah, not just lost. like a, a human just exited your body. Yeah. Like that's pretty magical. <laughs> I know. I know. I love pregnancy. Like I, if I could just be pregnant, I would do that. But like then after taking care of the newborn was like not my cup of tea, but it wasn't mine either. It wasn't mine either. It was really, really hard for me. I, for around six months, I was feeling like the strongest. I did have love. Like I did, I did, I felt lucky that I had that quite automatic, like intense love. Cause not every woman experiences that by the way too. And that's mm. normal as well. Not every woman does, but I had that love, but then I really felt regret. Honestly, mm. I was like, one of my biggest emotions, which isn't fun. And no one really talks about that, but I felt a lot of regret. I was like, what have I done? Like, I don't have a life anymore. I never sleep, which I'm very passionate about my eight to nine hours of sleep every night. So it was, it was just wild. And I think I'm the exact same way. I'm honestly the exact same way. I'm very passionate about good quality sleep. Um, and and the newborn stage really rocked my world as well. And I do share that with people when I talk about having a baby. And I mean, we could sit here and talk for an hour about that topic on its own, I feel like, because nobody talks about it. And um, I do believe that becoming a parent, whether you're the mother or the father, is like the mo well, most, I mean, probably slightly more for the mother. And I'm not going to make, make, you know, I'm not going to apologize for that. But uh, it is the largest, the biggest transition you go through as an adult. It's so incredible, but it's also very hard. And, then, and it, when you are an independent person or an, an independent woman, it's like, oh my God, now I all of a sudden am home all day with this baby on my boob who needs my physical body while you're trying to heal. Mm -hmm. um, you're just not having a good time. I, I definitely struggled and I, I don't lie about that because it's, um, it it's tough. It's very tough. Mm-hmm. 
I think and I think that just goes to say all the more reason to make time. I mean, of course, newborn and when it when you're, you know, you're fresh postpartum, of course not. I think I waited until I was four months postpartum to start my journey. But what I will say about that is being home and making that 30 minutes for me five days a week was a game changer. It was a life changer. Mentally, being a better mom going, okay, it's time for you to have a nap so that I can go do this, having the time to shower, make a smoothie, whatever, and getting that little bit of yourself time, huge. Oh, yes. I am a huge believer in that to this day. Now you know that my Leo is two and your daughter is five, right? Yes. You no, know, we probably have even more. So just know that it does, you know, it comes. <laughs> like there's different mm-hmm. seasons in motherhood for sure. But and I, I, still, yeah. I still think it's important at the beginning too. Totally. And I also think that when it is your first time become when you, when it's your first go <laughs> at motherhood, you don't realize that every phase passes because you're just in it and you don't know what's next. And so it's real at least for me, it was really hard to have foresight. Um, in those early days and, and go, cause you, I had no experience with it, you know? And I think in, with future babies, it may be a little bit, not easier, but I think it would be easier for me to tell myself, okay, I know that this is going to be for a couple months and I then I just got to get through that and I know things will change or we're going to be able to make changes. And I think that when you're, it's your first time, you don't know when the sleeplessness will end, when the crying will end, when the pain is going to end, all those things. Absolutely. And I always think too, like, I don't know if your kids are all going to be different, right? So I don't know if I'll get another Leo who was a very good, (sighs) we did a bit of sleep training with him, but even from the beginning, he was like pretty good. Trust me, I still didn't sleep for the first Lucky. time. Lucky. But like, he was like very coachable in that area. Like once we did like very light sleep training, I would say, he was like, it didn't. And he took to it? A couple weeks and then he was yeah. like kind of sleeping through. So that was like a lifesaver though, because my mental health was, I'm like, I don't know if I, I'll survive this, frankly. So for me, it was the best <laughs> decision, like for our family. I was like, I don't, I can't carry on like four months of not sleeping is my, that was my boundary. Girl, you're speaking my language. I was the exact same way. I, I lost it. I snapped at, at, four, at three and a half, four months without a full night's sleep. I was like, nope, we are hiring a sleep consultant. I will give her my left arm. I don't care what <laughs> she costs because this baby needs to sleep because I'm going to like lose it or run away or something. Like I, I'm the exact same way. I'm hundred percent was the exact same way. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm glad we're bringing this up because I've seen lately um, there, you know, there's always a lot of like shaming in motherhood, but I've seen a lot of people talk about, I think it's called attachment parenting, perhaps. Anyway, okay. yeah, it's basically like you would never sleep train a kid following that like a- attachment parent. I think that's what it's called. Anyway, my point, what I want to say here is, cause I think I believe this to my core is like, I would never judge or never know what's the right decision for you and your family. Totally. I just just really feel strongly about that. And if we can maybe remove some of the, the judging and the shaming, because my mental health, for example, I'm not like defending my, I don't feel the need to, but just FYI, my mental health was like struggling. So if my kid just wasn't going to sleep, like, I I don't know what would have happened would not have been good. 
I, I totally agree. I totally agree with you on the, on everything that you said there, the shaming part. Um, you have to do what's right for your baby and for your family and for your own mental sanity. Um, but I also will say to add to that, that I do believe it is a parent's job to instill good quality sleep habits in their baby's life because we have to start thinking about the things that we can affect with our children from day one and one of which is that's part of our job is guiding them into having healthy sleep habits because those will follow them throughout their entire life and the amount of studies that has been done around good quality sleep and how crucial it is to our overall wellness and health is huge so it's not something that parents should be like oh well I'm just going to let those, they'll one day sleep on their own. Like, no, not everybody learns to sleep on their own by themselves. Like we, we need to help guide them into that. And that's part of our job. And it goes back to nutrition. It goes back to all these things that we're responsible for as a parent. Mm -hmm. No pressure, parents, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> it's super fun. Yeah, but you got this. <laughs> okay. But um, I did actually want to make one more comment about the, cause we kind of got off track of the mindset and working with women and changing mindsets. Um, we again live in this this time where it, especially within the fitness community there is a lot of opinion right there's a lot of opinion out there there's a lot of inaccuracy there's a lot of there's a lot of bs frankly um when it comes to your body and what it should look like and i loved how you talked about the bouncing back i didn't bounce back i don't know what magical unicorn woman bounces back to their body but at 27 i think i was after i had summer um i didn't certainly bounce back i was like i'm in this very foreign body and i didn't really know how to feel about it um and i think I'm going to say this and I don't know, people might be upset, but I don't want, I don't think it's something to be upset over. Like if you want to make change in your body, that is okay. We live in this time where there's a lot of self-acceptance preach, which I am all for hundred percent, but there's a line in that too. There's a line because don't tell someone who wants to make change that they should just accept themselves as they are. If somebody has the desire to make change, that's okay. And it can be done in a healthy way. It doesn't need to be done in an obsessive way, in an unhealthy, restricted way. It can be done in a healthy way. And so I struggle with that because you see all of these different opinions, especially on, on social media. And for me, I feel like, no, if, if women want to make change, that's just creating goals, whether that's physical goals or career goals, what's the difference? Like if somebody wants to make physical change, they absolutely can. And I want to help them do that. But that's not the only aspect of incorporating fitness into your life. Yes. And I, I'm, I'm with you on that. And it is difficult because the thing is, I think what I don't like about that whole conversation is I just don't believe we should ever tell women what they should or shouldn't do or look like or wear or feel, you know, like to me, it's up to that woman. And so I like what you said, like if, if a woman wants to change and like some of my fitness goals are surrounding, um, like physical appearance still, most of them aren't we're, though. Right? We're human. We're yeah. allowed to have those feelings. And I think we've gotten so far to one side of the spectrum where people feel bad to say that. And they absolutely shouldn't. Mm -hmm. They absolutely shouldn't. That is part, that is part of it. It is. Yeah. Like, so for me, when I like I'm going to get super woo woo here, but when Ooh, I, I like, like woo woo, <laughs> when 
when I visualize my highest self, that's what I think about. So like when I'm visualizing me as my like highest self, I always picture I'm not like that. I'm quite um, like fit and lean. And I'm not saying I don't like the way I look right now either. I'm not saying that it's just, that's like, it's a little bit of a difference and that's what I'm working towards partly. With and what- that's okay. And you can simultaneously love and accept your body and still be striving towards the highest or best version of it. That's how I feel. Yes. Um, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It doesn't have to be, they're not mutually exclusive. You know what I mean? You can, you can feel both ways. You can be body positive and still be like, but I'm working towards this. And for many people, they take the physical side right out of it and go, I'm doing this daily sweat for my overall health. I'm doing it for my internal health. I'm doing it for my mental health. And that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just, I'll use myself as an example as like, my goals are kind of what you said. So one of them is just as someone who's been going to the gym since I was 16, like I feel much better when I work out four to five times a week. That's 100% straight up. And then like, so that's kind of my, I guess you would say like mental wellness. I like to call that kind of that upkeep, right? My mental wellness, like that's my baseline. And then I do have goals. Like I said, for me, my goals are around getting stronger. I just love feeling my body get stronger. There's something about when you mentioned the push-ups, because there was a time not too long ago, (laughs) just before I got pregnant, where I could like do 20, like I call them man push-ups, like And I'm like, I cannot do that right now. And I have faith I'm going to get back there, but that's not going to happen unless I keep showing up and doing a lot of push-ups. which right now my push-ups are on my knees still, just so you know, but I'm working my way back to that. So I love seeing my body get stronger. And then the last one is, yeah, like overall health. And I should say the very last one though, is like, I want to look a little more lean. That's just like, that's where I'm going. Yep. Totally. And, um, and your strength training. Yeah. Are you strength training? Okay. Yeah. You'll get there with some strength training. You got to build some lean muscle. And I think that's a huge mindset shift for a lot of women as well is so many of my members <laughs> want more cardio. And I'm like, no, that Not cardio really. isn't the way I promise you, this is what I've learned. Like, and for anybody who thinks they're going to get bulky lifting weights, I'm You're like, not. I'm five years in, I'm bulky. And it takes so much more work than you realize to look like that. It's not possible for many women. Building lean muscle for women is actually very difficult because our hormones literally battle against that. So never let that be your fear. Strength training is the way to a, a leaner physique. Um, and uh, there was something else you said that I loved. Um, oh, it's it's gone for me now. But anyways, yeah, that, I just I just think it's funny shifting those mindsets because I I I I love breaking that bubble in somebody's head of like, nope, you cardio. I mean, yes, you need to have a certain level of cardio, but it's not going to get you there. No, those like even like the results I'm talking about now. Um, I recently did a full like DOXA scan where it like actually tells you, because I just knew, I mean, I had my body fat tested before. That's like the thing I measure now. I haven't weighed myself in like, I don't even know, like 20 years, I think. Yeah, no, I don't believe in the scale either because muscle weighs more than fat and it's not an accurate representation of success. No progress, I, I should say. No. And I think for me, it was from a young, young age. And this kind of is surrounding, um, cause I had an eating disorder and it was always, mm. it was mm. always, I always wanted, I can't remember 
exactly the number, but let's say it's a, it was something like 130 pounds, which is not like realistic for a lot of people. Like that's just not, and I don't know where I, I pulled that number from, but probably saw it in like media or this or that. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so the scan was really fascinating because even though I'm so far away from that and I don't even weigh myself, but it, I have a hundred pounds of muscle. <laughs> so it's like, that's amazing. Like, I have a lot of muscle for, I don't, I don't I say, like saying this, but for a woman, seriously, um, they're like, that's like a lot. Like it doesn't usually go over like 90. So it's like, wow. I have the muscle. I know. Yeah. That's really but, impressive, honestly, because it is really hard. And I'm definitely one of those women where it's been very challenging to build muscle. And so again, that's been a journey as well. And, and, um, allowing my, or nutrition to support my goals and my, my workouts. But, um, yeah, the scale, the scale I talk about with my members all the time. It's not, it, I, I don't even have a scale. I don't weigh myself ever um, because it's not an accurate representation of progress. Um, I mean, w- my pre-pregnancy weight, like, of course, we talk about that often, you know, or at least I used to. And I weigh more now in my pre, my post-pregnancy, like my postpartum weight is more, but I'm smaller clothing. Like, so for when I say that's people, they're just like, what? how does that make sense? And I'm like, cause your body composition changes. And that was what I actually wanted. I didn't know how to articulate that at the time, but that is truly what I wanted. It wasn't to lose weight. It was to change that body composition, meaning building some lean muscle, burning some body fat. And then there you go. And then of course, when you do that and the scale can be so defeating for so many. And like you said too, depending on what your background is, as far as, you know, so many women battle with, um, body dysmorphia or past eating disorders and it's just toxic it's a toxic symbol for them and so i just i don't even i don't even i don't even include that in in our rhetoric at all yeah you don't you don't need it even 100 don't need it because it's not gonna like it, it it's defeating for so many people but it shouldn't be because it might not be telling you the whole story it, it isn't telling you the it's whole not. story no, you exactly explained it. And that's the thing for me too, is like, I like feeling a certain way in clothes or, you know, like it's more about that for me as opposed to like a number doesn't really tell me much. Like, we're No. And what does a number mean? <laughs> you, can, you can look at two, um, let's just use 150 pound woman and you can like that can come in so many forms in so many sizes like we said in so many different body compositions so it's not totally and it can also be you can be a 150 pound person and be healthy and you can be a 150 pound person and be unhealthy that number literally means nothing yeah and same thing for like using a a lower weight it's like you can be 120 pounds and that could be like perfect weight for you, fit, whatever. And you can be extremely unhealthy or yeah, no. Yeah, totally. Well, I just want to, before we get into the lightning round, acknowledge you Taylor for everything that you're doing in this world and how you're really helping women because it's so important when we help women thrive. I feel like our whole society thrives and health Mm -hmm. and wellness is so important. So thank Mm -hmm. you. Thank you. I totally agree. And thank you for letting me come and share. And um, this was this was awesome. My pleasure. Okay, so let's get to this lightning round. What's your favorite book? The Four Agreements, even though I do read a lot of children's books these days. (laughs) I love The Four Agreements. It's such a good one. Yeah, it was a good one. It was a good one. Favorite drink? 
I like craft beer. I like red wine. Um, and I like kombucha. <laughs> all the things I, I like yeah. different beverages also. <laughs> yeah. I don't drink a lot anymore. Um, but I do like kombucha. Um, I try and be mindful of the sugar because a lot of them can have really high sugar levels and I just try and be mindful of that. But there's some really good local ones. Healthy hooch is a good one that has low sugar. I love that one. Oh, that one's so good. I love that one too. Mm-hmm. Favorite podcast. Okay. I know that everybody like listens to a lot of podcasts. I have girlfriends who listen to so many like daily. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't a lot, but I do like, um, the Max, uh, genius life it's called. Mm-hmm. And he, Max Lagar, I think his name is, or Lagar. I don't remember. I don't know. I can't pronounce his last name, but anyways, it's called the genius life. And it is a very health focused health and nutrition focused podcast. Awesome. I have to check that one out. I don't know. Yeah, that. it's good. Favorite TV show or movie? Um, again, I don't watch a lot of TV. I've probably watched less TV this year than I ever have, but I love Dateline. <laughs> I never like missed Dateline. Dateline. <laughs> I've been a true crime junkie since I was like probably too young, honestly. <laughs> um, so I love Dateline and I love cooking shows. So I like Beat Bobby Flay and I like Chopped. <laughs> love it. What's the, your favorite place you've traveled? Oh, this is a really sad question because I don't know when we're going to get to travel again, but I travel a lot and I don't have a favorite because I find beauty and I love everywhere. I love everywhere that I've gone. I love Hawaii. It's been a, it's been a place that I've returned to many times. I love San Diego of all, of all places too. I love the UK. I mean, I have never gone somewhere that I didn't like. I'm a Sagittarius. I must roam. I need to roam. I like to explore. So I like everywhere I go. <laughs> Aww, my kid's a Sagittarius and I <gasps> quite enjoy. Sagittarius. When is his birthday? At November 27th. I'm the 30th. Oh, you guys are really close. That's so cool. close. Good luck to you. Oh, <laughs> He's great. He's so like adventurous and curious. I love that. Yeah. Male Sagittarius's are wonderful. Yeah. I know my best friend's husband is a Sagittarius and he's just like, he's such a cool, good, like just a good guy, you know? Oh, cool. So if you could jump on a plane tomorrow, where would you go? Oh my goodness. This feels like torture <laughs> in 2020. I think I would take my fiance and we would head to Bali. Probably throw the kid on the backpack and let's just go. Um, we'd love to go anywhere, honestly, though. To be honest, I'll, I would take anywhere. <laughs> I would take anywhere, but if I could choose, yeah, I'd like to go to, I haven't explored Bali or South uh, Indonesia or anywhere around there. And um, so I would, I would go there. That's top of the list. I love it. Okay, Taylor, final question before we get to it. <gasps> where can everyone follow you? Okay, so you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Namaste with Tay. And um, my workout program is called the at Namaste Sweaty Club. Um, but yeah, you can find me at my website, um, www.namastewithtay.com. And uh, yeah, awesome. hope to connect with people, yeah. Yes, we love that. I think that's like been one of the best things about 2020 is the amount of connections I have made, which is so shocking because we've like, it's been like the year against connection and and stuff, but I'm an extrovert and I absolutely needed to connect. Like it's imperative to my health, honestly. (laughs) Same girl, same. Okay. Final question. Confidence is something that I'm very, very passionate about sharing and teaching on because for me, confidence is what gets you out there and trying something new. It's probably a big part of 
how you were able to start this business in the middle of a pandemic. So tell us, what does confidence mean to you? Yeah. I mean, confidence is such an inside job. Um, it's a mindset thing for sure. And something that I'm still learning is nobody can make you feel like if somebody can it like cause a reaction in you, then they own you and they can control you. And so trying not to take things personally, which again comes from the four agreements, like trying not to take anything to heart, whether that be a compliment or a criticism, don't take that to heart because it's truly a reflection of somebody else's internal world. And so once we gain that level of awareness, that is true confidence and going forth with what being sure of yourself, you know, finding that level of self-assurance to go forward and go, okay, I'm going to go forward. I might fail. It might not work out the way I planned, but I'm going to go for it. Mm, love it. Great answer. Well, thanks again so much, Taylor. This was awesome chatting with you and we'll be sure to follow along and check out your program. Thank you so much. This was amazing. I loved chatting with you too. My pleasure. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Cool Mom 101 with Emily Kylo. If you liked our podcast, please be sure to leave a comment or review and be sure to tune in next time.